You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. So as I mentioned to the kids, our scripture reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 9. I'll be reading verses 9 through 13. Uh, This is the call of um, Matthew to discipleship and then also the party at Matthew's house. And I'm reading from the Good News Translation, which is the same translation as your pew Bibles. And so I would invite you to page 11 of the New Testament um, as we read this reading from Scripture together. Jesus left the place where he had healed a paralyzed man, and as he walked along, he saw a tax collector named Matthew. Matthew was sitting in his office, and Jesus said to him, Follow me. So Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having a meal in Matthew's house, many tax collectors and other outcasts came and joined Jesus and his disciples at the table. Some Pharisees saw this and asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with those people? Jesus heard them and answered, People who are well do not need a doctor, but only those who are sick. Go and find out what it means by the scripture that says, It is kindness that I want, not animal sacrifices. I have not come to call respectable people, but outcasts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. So before he was elected as bishop and then assigned to the North Alabama Conference of the United Methodist Church, pastor and then bishop William Willimon served as a professor at Duke University and also served as the dean of the Duke Chapel. Did you all know that Duke is a United Methodist institution? And they have a really good theology department and a really nice seminary. But after he'd served as the dean of the Duke Chapel, or after, after he'd served as the bishop for a while, someone asked him what he missed the most about Duke University. And he could have mentioned the beautiful campus. He could have mentioned the gorgeous chapel where he was the dean for quite some time. He could have mentioned Cameron Indoor Stadium or Coach K or any of his colleagues. But when someone asked him what he missed the most about Duke University, Bishop William Willimon said with tongue-in-cheek that the thing he missed the most was the admissions office of Duke University. He would go on to explain that the admissions office only allowed in certain types of people, and those are the only types of people that Bishop Willimon had to interact with. So I did a little research this week about the admissions process at Duke University, and I learned that their acceptance rate currently sits at 8.9%, which means that for every 100 people that that apply to attend Duke University, only nine people get in. The average GPA of the Duke University student body is 4.13 on a 4.0 scale. So in order to get to Duke, you have to do AP classes. That's just all there is to it. 
The average SAT score is 1510 out of 1600, and the average ACT score is 34 out of a possible 36. So there are some smart cookies at Duke University. But it's more than just being smart. Just in order to apply, you have to fill out an application and provide a ton of personal information, and then you have to write a long essay about yourself and a shorter essay about why you want to attend Duke in the first place. The thing that Bishop Willimon missed the most about Duke is the people that did this kind of work. And Bishop Willimon would go on to explain that the reason why he missed the admissions office is because it operates in such a wildly different way than the life of the church. Bishop Willimon said that in the life of the church, you just have to work with whomever shows up. You just have to work with whomever shows up. And I don't know about you, but I find that to be very good news. There is no admissions office here, and thanks be to God, right? In our scripture for this morning, we learn that Matthew the tax collector had successfully navigated Jesus' admission department and his admission process for discipleship. And I just got to tell you that it looks an awful lot different than it did at Duke. I just got to tell you that Jesus operates a lot more like the North Alabama Conference of the United Methodist Church than he does Duke. Because here was Matthew's process. Matthew saw Jesus walking by. Matthew heard Jesus say, come follow me, and Matthew stood up. The end. That's it. That's all that Matthew had to do. There was no essay. There was no test that he had to take. There, was no, there wasn't even an, a requirement that you're involved in extracurricular activities. Jesus said the word follow, and Matthew followed. Then later on in the story, later that same day, Jesus' admission office is at work once again as there is a dinner happening at Matthew's own house. And there was no one at the door screening applications. And no one at that party had to write an essay about why they wanted to come to the party in the first place. Matthew's home was full of all kinds of different people. Matthew's home was full of his friends and his work colleagues, other tax collectors along with Jesus and the disciples who would become Matthew's new work colleagues and a variety of other people as well, including some Pharisees. And so when Jesus took his place at the table among the variety of people, he just sat where he could. Rather, I mean, he either did not care who was around him or he was trying to send a not-so-subtle message to the Pharisees the Pharisees that cared so much about where people sat. The not-so-hidden message of Jesus in this story and the not-so-hidden message of Jesus in the Gospels is that everyone is welcome 
to be a follower of Jesus, and everyone is welcome to be a guest at his table. Everyone is welcome to be a follower of Jesus, and everyone is welcome to be a guest at his table. I mean, think of the disciples. So far in Jesus' young ministry, he had called fishermen and a political activist and a thief and now a tax collector. In the course of his ministry, in the course of his young ministry, Jesus had healed the sick around Galilee, which is fine because they're good Jewish people. But he'd also healed a man with what the Good News Bible calls a dreaded skin condition, which was likely leprosy. And he had also just healed the servant of a centurion, who was doubly scandalous because not only was he a Gentile of not Jewish descent, but he also had a connection to Rome. If you're a good Jew in that time, you have nothing to do with Rome. But it didn't seem to matter to Jesus. What's interesting about Jesus is that he had also sat in the temple among some of the most learned men in all of Israel, both asking and answering questions. What we learn about Jesus when we meet him at this table in Matthew's home is that Jesus not only welcomed but even sought out those whom the world had written off. Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors, with such people as the Pharisees said. Basically, Jesus sat with anyone that was willing to show up. But not just the outsiders, Jesus also spent time with the Pharisees and the scribes and the elite. And Jesus drew criticism from the Pharisees and the scribes and the elite. And of all the things that Jesus did to annoy the scribes and the Pharisees, this is the one that comes up the most often. This is the one that gets in their craw the hardest. And it's why do your teach, why does your teacher eat with such people? And the question becomes obviously why? Of all the things that Jesus did to annoy and offend the powers that be, why is it that this is the one that they just are so stuck on? Why does your teacher eat with such people? For the tax collectors, the answer is kind of easy because tax collectors were seen as those who had betrayed their own people. The tax collectors had no place in good Jewish society because of the depth of their offense. The tax collectors worked for Rome. And as we've talked about before, the tax collectors were free to charge whatever they wanted to over and above the required taxes in order to line their own pockets. And to be fair to Matthew, there's no way to know if he was doing these things, but the term guilt by association definitely comes into play. Just by virtue of being a tax collector, he had no place at the table with Jesus. He was not worthy of God's love, and he was not worthy of Jesus' welcome. On the other hand, the other term that they use, sinners, 
is a vague description that applies to a great number of types of people. And it's usually taken to mean those that the good people thought of as disreputable. Who gets to define what a sinner is and what a sinner looks like? Here in this context, here in this scripture, sinner usually would refer to someone that would pay no attention to the food laws and the traditional practices of Jewish religiosity. Because they were ritualistically unclean, they had no part and they were not welcome to be a part of society. They were not welcome to be a part of worship in the synagogue. They were not welcome to be at the party. Yet because of Jesus, there they were. Because of Jesus, there they were. Tax collectors, sinners, and Jesus all at the same table, all at the same time. And this story is about welcome, but it's also a story about healing. Because Jesus' welcome to them at the table was just the healing that Matthew and his friends, the tax collectors and the outcasts, it was just the healing that they needed. In the ancient world, one of the few effective treatments for illness was isolation and quarantine. And thus, when someone was made well, they were able to return to their family and friends. And being made to feel unwelcome can feel like its own kind of sickness. Being made to feel unwelcome can feel like its own kind of sickness. But Jesus brought healing by ending the ostracism that Matthew and people like him experienced. He restored them to community by including them in fellowship. They were welcome. And I don't know how you've been made to feel yet this morning. I'm hoping that you've been made to feel welcome. But I just want to remind you that we do not operate in the same way as the Office of Admissions of Duke University. And I don't know about you, but I think that that's just fine. We don't operate like the, like the Office of Admissions of Duke University, and I think that that's good, right? Yeah. We follow a Jesus who calls all people to a welcome table where there is enough and enough room for all. Unlike Duke, where 10% of people that apply do not get in, for every 100 people that apply to come and follow Jesus, that show up to follow Jesus, 100 get in. In. I can't imagine that anyone asked you about your SAT or your ACT score walking into church this morning. I don't have the math skills to calculate our GPA. I mean, I probably could figure it out, but it gets into fingers and toes, and I don't want to go there. Here in the life of the church, you do not need to apply. Here in the life of the church, you do not need to prove yourself. Here in the life of the church, you do not need to qualify. And rather than writing two essays about yourself, I would invite you into some self-reflection about why you're here and what impact that Jesus has had on you and on your interaction with others. Because of the welcome and healing that Jesus extended to Matthew, 
And because of the welcome and healing that Jesus extended to the assortment of people at Matthew's home, I can tell you this. You are welcome here. And in a few short moments, we're going to have communion with one another, and I want you to know that you are welcome at the table. This is how the church operates. We're not the Duke admissions office. We get to work with whomever shows up. And thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy God, I give you thanks for the ways that we've been made to feel welcome. Welcome in spite of our nuances and nerdicisms and welcome because of those things. God, I give you thanks that Jesus patterned this life of welcome for us. And I just simply ask that you would give us the courage to live as he lived, to feel welcome and to extend welcome so that all may know of your great love and your great care. Feed us in this meal, nourish our bodies, and strengthen us to go forth and live the welcome that you've extended to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.